Hey there, welcome back to Her Undiscovered Life podcast. My name is Crystal McKenzie. I am your host. And today we have a guest expert. Her name is Janina Sheik. And I will go ahead and let you introduce yourself and just explain what you do. Yeah. Hi, Crystal. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here with you. Um, yes, as you just said, my name is Janina, and um, you might already hear um, English is not my first language. <laughs> uh, maybe you even recognize I am from Germany. And um, yeah, so what do I do? Um, it's been a journey to end up where I am now. Obviously, we're all sitting in that boat, I guess. And um, I am a holistic health therapist and coach. And over the years, I've been specializing in trauma work, trauma healing. And yeah, as I just said, it's been a journey. So the, the path to doing what I'm doing right now, there were, um, yeah, many turns and twists and ups and downs and changes. And I'm very grateful for all of them. And yes, they all brought me to where I am now. And I really, really deeply love what I'm doing now. I feel very, very blessed to be able to do what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this this journey of, you know, becoming a coach or therapist or healer, it is such a journey. And it's never just like, oh, okay, I want to be, I want to be a coach. And all right, I trained for, now I'm a coach it's you have to go on your own journey of of all of the things that you're going to be helping people with you know you have to face yourself you have to heal things um and it really is a it's a wild journey um, it is it is and then taking the trainings and getting certified is one thing which is already quite a right because you practice a lot and you learn a lot about yourself but then actually starting a business and actually doing the work um not just and I'm not even referring to the actual work with clients but the the simple fact of putting yourself out there and um, having your message and just being self-employed in such a vulnerable space you know mm. where I'm always saying I'm not selling uh, books or shoes it's mm -hmm. it's a it's a complete different level and um, the the mere fact of yeah starting this business is such an internal journey and um, it's I mean it's incredible I'm, I'm extremely grateful for it and, and happy and but it is yeah it's um it's a task for sure <laughs> yeah it's I always say it's the it's the greatest personal growth spiritual journey of of your lifetime I feel I mean there's nothing that's ever held up a mirror like like this business does and it's like here you you must now look at yourself and you must not avoid any parts of yourself anymore you can't run anymore you can't hide here it all is face it and if you yes. don't well this is going to be an even more difficult journey. Yes. Yes. I agree. I agree. <laughs> so I, I have invited you on because I feel like so many people, I think it's becoming more and more um, 
I guess, accepted or just widely known about trauma. And I feel like people are starting to understand a little bit more about trauma and it's not being isolated to, uh, you know, war veterans or people who have had these violent experiences. And I really want people to be educated about, you know, what trauma is and how to know that they might have some trauma that would really benefit them to to start to look at and to heal. And um, I think for a lot of people, it's just such a big unknown. And maybe, you know, with something being unknown, there's always that element of fear, fear of the unknown. Like, I don't know what this is going to turn out. I don't know what's going to come up. I don't know what I'm going to have to face or how that's going to feel. Um, and, you know, a part of my, my work when I start working with someone is, is to find out, you know, what, what is, what trauma is there that we need to address or work through or find some different methods to use. And I always, when somebody tells me, well, I don't have any trauma, that's always like a big flag for me. And it's like, okay, hold on. We need to stop here and we need to number one, educate on what trauma is. And then talk about how could you know that you might have some trauma. So I would love if you could talk about um, just like a basic, what what is trauma? How, yeah. how people understand what, what is trauma? Yeah. So first of all, in order um, to really understand what trauma is, we need to understand that it is much more of a physical um, phenomenon, a physical response than actually mental. Um, so as you just said, most people, the first thing we associate with trauma, maybe PTSD, is we think of war veterans, of people who have terrible flashbacks, who um, get a panic attack out of nowhere because something re reminds them of yeah, a war zone they were in. Um, the, the truth is um, trauma, as I just said, it's really primarily a physical response. And when we talk about trauma, we don't really talk about um, situations we're in, but we're talking about how our body, to be more precise, our nervous system reacts to the situation we're in. And that is that might seem like a minor distinction, but it's actually huge because that means it's not so much about what happens, but it's about how do I respond internally, my nervous system, not even cognitively, not even what am I thinking about it, but really what's my nervous system doing in response to what is happening. And that means that potentially everything could be a traumatizing situation because it depends on well of number one age i mean most of us carry childhood trauma because as children we have very very different needs than than as an adult um and in most cases some of these needs are not met and we can talk about that in more depth but um so how do i respond to that situation um i am in and, and that really, yeah, clarifies that it's really these huge 
catastrophic events that can lead a person to experience post-traumatic stress disorder or post-traumatic stress symptoms. Um, it can be something that now in retrospective, we would rationalize as it's such a long time ago or um, in the end, nothing happened because I'm okay now. And mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, it didn't feel great in that moment, but you know, it's like 15 years ago and I, I, I got over it. And um, we, we tend to rationalize things to, to tell ourselves um, it wasn't such a big thing, but that's the analytical mind. Our body might feel very, very different about it. So first of all, if you want to understand what trauma is, we need to um, let go of any try and attempt to rationalize things because the trauma response is a bodily response and the body is not working in a rational way. The body is working in an instinctive way. So we need to throw out the cognitive thinking at the beginning. Um, and really understand. And then, of course, there are some elements that can um, make it more likely that we react um, or that we have a trauma response in comparison to it's an uncomfortable, stressful situation, but maybe not necessarily traumatic. So there's a few elements that can make the distinction. But yeah, so that would be the first really, really important thing to understand it's a physical response. Yeah. And I think the the thing about that too is that I you know so many so many of us have been disconnected from our body. So we don't even know that we're having a bodily response to something. So we just think, "Oh, well, you know, yeah, okay, I hear what she's saying. It's a bodily response. I don't really have anything like that." But it's like the first step I think is is connecting people back with their body and and that's such a simple question that I've experienced with clients which is when they're recalling something and they're telling me about something and and then I'm like the simple question of what does your body feel like right now as you're talking about this and something just clicks for them and they're like it opens them up to a whole world that they were completely disconnected from and they're like oh my gosh I feel sick to my stomach and 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 my heart's racing and 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 I'm I'm shaking and it's like okay this this is this is the trauma in yes. your body yeah so how do you yes. how do you get people to that place where they're out of like getting them out of their head and helping them get into their body is there something in particular that you find that is helpful so the number one most important, um, yeah, let's call it element or aspect for trauma work is the feeling of safety. And it has to be a feeling of safety, again, within the body. It's only what, you're, what you were describing right now, not being connected with the body, maybe not even... Um, understanding how my body talks to me or, or my emotions or maybe not even remembering like you know really having it repressed and not being able to access it that's a trauma response um of course it's a it's a um, way for me to survive because i don't want to feel that so let's just put it aside so let's just disconnect to anything 
physical to any bodily sensations because that's the only way I know how to move forward. So that's one of the most common and a very, very typical trauma response. So in order to start this process, as you just mentioned, we need to bring our clients back in their body. But that can, depending on the person, depending on the story, depending on what they experience, can be a huge step and we cannot force it. We, I cannot be like, okay, now you have to feel your body and now tell me what you're feeling because it, if they could, they would have done before. So um, it has to be very gentle. It has to be, um, yeah, like slow and gentle and soft and, and teaching in a way that it's safe to be connected with your body, regardless of what comes up, regardless of physical sensations, of emotions that might come up, it is safe for me to feel. It's safe for me to connect with my body. And there's clients with um, whom that can happen within a few minutes. The mere fact of you know therapeutic presence and, and holding that healing space and showing them, hey, I'm also just a human being. I know how it feels to have these emotions. You're not alone. For some people, that's enough. Some people need more time. Some people need more reassurance in order to um, yeah, access that feeling of safety. Again, so there's a few techniques we can do. There's a few um, yeah, ways to approach it. But most importantly, in order to feel safe, we need to internally be convinced that it's safe to be safe. It's safe for me to drop my guard. It's safe for me to feel. Um, so that, again, can be different with, with each client, but that is the number one priority at the beginning leading them to a place where they can feel safe. And that's where we can actually start working with the body because the body is going to show us the emotion, the trapped trauma. Only That only happens once we feel safe enough to do that. Mm, yeah. And I think too, um, I think that a lot of people don't quite understand what that means to feel safe because I think in, even for me, before I really started understanding trauma, my first thought was, what do you mean? Like, I'm safe. Nobody's attacking me. I'm not, you know, I'm not being physically abused or sexually, like I'm safe, but it's not, it's not about external stuff. It's internal safety and feeling like I, I can feel whatever I need to feel and I can manage whatever emotions or sensations come up. And so I think it's, yeah, it's important for people to understand it isn't so much, yes, external safety is important, but it's, it's really the internal safety that we all want to feel. And that's ultimately the, the goal, right? Yeah, yeah. One, one very good indication, um, whether we can feel safe or not, I mean, there's more to it. But um, another very, very common uh, trauma response is, the inability to just sit by yourself and not do anything. <laughs> no TV, yeah. no music, no eating, no, no scrolling no, on Instagram, no, no scrolling, nothing. Can you sit with yourself? Maybe eyes open or closed, it doesn't matter, but you're not doing absolutely anything for a while. Or do you start to get nervous? Do you start to feel I'm, I'm wasting my time? I need to be busy all the time and I need some distraction and that's boring. And 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 so that is a very, very common um, indicator that we don't feel safe just connecting with ourselves. Because if there's no distractions, 
If there's nothing we're focusing on, then automatically we start to focus on ourselves. And, mm -hmm. and that's can be challenging for people who carry a lot of trauma, who therefore start to, you know, live in this outside world and distractions um, because it's easier. Um, but of course, yeah. it's it's um, not introspective. It's not connecting. Yeah. yeah, which really speaks to, you know, the hustle culture that we have, which is really all about avoiding yourself. And that's, you know, why so many people are so disconnected from from themselves. Um, it's because we are so conditioned to just be doing things all the time, being distracted, um, being busy, being productive. Yeah. So can you talk about, uh, and I don't know if this is the way that you teach it, but, you know, little T traumas versus big T traumas, because what we talked about in the beginning, uh, people are aware of the big T traumas, but it's the little T traumas that I, I feel like I really want people to have more awareness of. Yes, yes, absolutely. So um, I did mention that there's a few elements that um, usually make the difference between something gets stored as a trauma um, versus it was a difficult time, but, but it's not re remaining as a trapped trauma in my body. The two elements we have here are, and I need to explain them a little bit in more depth because um, to, to really understand what they mean. The first one is threat. So threat, the first thing we think about hearing threat is uh, there's a perpetrator, um, I am being attacked and, and I'm the victim of or something like that. The thing is threat is much, much, much more than that. Um, it can be threat to our physical um, integrity and well-being, um, emotional, um, psychological, um, a threat that means I may not may not be safe. I might may not need my my um, intrinsic needs to be met. So when we go back as what I mentioned as a child, a threat could be parents that are fighting a lot because that could mean the safety of my home is under threat. Threat could be an absent parent because I, I am dependent on my parents. I need them to provide for me, not just food and shelter, but love and care. Um, so as a kid, um, it's very easy actually to, to feel threatened. Um, so threat is not just, you know, again, the big T threat, like my life is under threat, but my, my emotional well-being, my development, my, my support, my safety, um, and even more about threat. Threat can be experienced directly. Again, the child that um, maybe even experiences violence or, or verbal threat through a parent, so I'm the direct receiver, it can be observed. And that happens very often here. We have, again, fight between parents. So um, I'm observing how one parent is being attacked verbally, physically from another parent. That's threat. Um, but it can also be um, perceived. And that is really important. Um, I can perceive there might be a threat. My nervous system reacts the same way as if mm. I'm actually being on the receiving end of that threat. So we cannot minimize these experiences from our childhood 
or or when we were um, you know teenagers, young adults, where we just perceived that might be dangerous, that might be a threat for my well-being. The nervous system reacts in the same way, so that puts a very mm. different light to understanding trauma. Yeah. Um, and that explains the the small t, uh, the the minor trauma situations, but the nervous system reacts in the same way. So that the first element is threat with these components that I just explained. And then the second one, and that's important, is the sensation of inescapability. I am in the situation where I perceive threat, observe threat, or have the feeling like there could be threat, and I cannot escape that situation. Again, it requires some, some more explaining. As a kid, that's the situation we're in constantly. We cannot just escape. We cannot just pack our suitcase and say, okay, I'm leaving now. Um, we are dependent. Um, inescapability could be um, a single mother who has a job where she is bullied, where she is maybe molested, um, but she has the sensation of, I cannot leave this job because I need to provide for my children. That's another sense of inescapability. So that is where this sensation of threat, and because we feel we can't escape it, gets stored in the body as a traumatic response. Mm. Yeah, and that means there's so many, there's so many possibilities Yes, to have this traumatic experience and to be holding on to that as an adult. Yeah. Um. What do you feel, and because this podcast is, is for women, and I'm definitely not suggesting men don't experience trauma, because of course they do, but is there, are there like some, some really common traumas that you see in, in your work with women in particular? Yes, of course. Um, and I do work with men as well, uh, primarily with women, but some of my clients are men. So yes, obviously men carry their own trauma um but it's it's sad it's shockingly but um it, it was actually just a few weeks ago that i was going through my clients that i currently have that i had um and it's approximately 8 out of 10 women approximately that experienced some kind of sexual abuse um they were molested or even worse um and that is shocking and um, for some women they bring that to the table right from the get-go because they are aware and they feel that ever since that happened their life has changed they struggle finding partners trust issues all these kind of things but with so many women that's not even what they bring to the table at the beginning and not because they don't want to talk about it but because they think yeah isn't that normal didn't that happen to every one of us um, and that is so, so shocking. So sometimes it takes like four or five sessions and we've been releasing trauma and, and they've been improving, but something just still didn't, you can feel there's still something. And then kind of like as a side note, they say, do you think it could be because when I was 14, my swimming teacher started to touch me or, or these kind of things. Uh, and I'm like, oh, there it is. Okay. Um, so yes, unfortunately that is, shockingly common and that's why i'm glad we can talk about this because we really need to make this a conversation and we really need to have awareness that it is not normal 
and we do not have to just live with that and put it under the carpet that leaves scars and um, we need to we need to heal that we need to talk about that so and um, yes that is one very very common trauma um i see on a very frequent basis with my female clients yeah um it's interesting how we can minimize things like that and uh, I, yeah, it, it must just be a way to, it's like a, a way that our brain is trying to protect us from feeling that because it, I don't, that's not a conscious decision, right? Like, oh, I'm going to consciously not remember this, this, this trauma. No, it's a, it's a self-protective mechanism to, to move forward. To, if I tell myself, if I try to convince myself it wasn't that, that much of a deal, then and I really try hard to convince myself, then that means, okay, that means that I can still go up to uh, wake up tomorrow and go to work and do my things because what happened was just not that big of a deal. The truth is, for the body, it very likely was. Um, so, so yeah, it's uh, we try to convince ourselves, and, and I see that all the time. Um, and that's really where we have to let go of these. Um, I I don't know if you if, if judgment is the right word, but um, if you think to what I explained about trauma and how it's formed in the body and how it's a physical response, again, we need to let go of this rationalization. It doesn't matter what we think about it now. It doesn't matter that we think it wasn't that big of a deal. And that doesn't mean we want to overdiagnose everyone, right? I don't want to um, tell everyone, oh my goodness, you are so extremely traumatized. That doesn't help us either. But we need to acknowledge that what we felt in that moment or maybe the day after, the shame, the feeling uncomfortable, the question, did it? Did I do something wrong? Did I dress wrong? Did I behave wrong? Should I um, do something different now? Was it my fault? Can it happen again? So maybe I'm just, you know, better not do anything, never catch any attention anymore. All these uh, thoughts that come after um, and, and we need to we need to address them. And that means that we need to let the body experience and feel what that situation meant and what it did to us, even though now we feel like it is 30 years ago. And no, no, no. What what does your body feel when you think back? What's your body telling you, not your mind? That's that's the one sentence I say over and over in my sessions um, to really connect back to to what the body is feeling because that's where the trauma is stored. Mm. Mm, yeah. It's um yeah, the this this minimizing thing, uh it's something that I've done and I I didn't realize I was doing that until this year when I, I kept feeling like I like something kept telling me that I had experienced some kind of sexual abuse but I had no evidence of it and I just had this feeling and I yeah I just couldn't remember what it was and then finally I remembered something that I had minimized and even still I'm like well it's not it wasn't that big of a deal but you know it, it is it is a big deal yes. um and it is you know going back to what that felt like in the body. And 
I think so many of us women do that. We minimize, you know, oh, it was just touching or, oh, you know, maybe I, it was my fault because I didn't push them off or I didn't scream or I, you know, wore something that maybe, and all of this self-blame that we try to, we try to take this responsibility for it because I think that's kind of our way of putting ourselves in control of a situation where we were completely out of control. Yes. Yeah. And additionally to that, um, we have the fact that socially speaking for us women, it's not very well received if we show strong emotions, <laughs> um, if we're angry about what happened, like like all the listeners out, uh, that are listening right now, how comfortable do you feel showing anger, being angry? Um, that's not the good girl isn't angry. The, the good yeah. girl is smiling and sweet and caring and, you know, like very feminine and, and sweet and all these kind of attributes that we that we want to be as women and that men like in us women. And, and um, so we meet that's another step to it. So there's many, many layers. But one layer is um, to feel angry and to allow that and, and mm -hmm. this empowered anger and to be OK being angry because it's a human emotion it's a very 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 important emotion to process things um so that's another layer um to what what women often go through um it's just easier to um to or or not allowing ourselves to feel these emotions that are necessary for healing can can keep us stuck because for example anger is one of these emotions that at some point we need to feel in order in order to release and in order to heal um but it's just such a big stigma for us women to to be angry i mean we, we don't want that and no one wants to see us angry right so oh yeah it's and and even for men too you know it's like if, if a man's angry oh my gosh watch yes. out and yes i think we do we all as a society have this toxic relationship with anger and yes absolutely beautiful emotion it's just so powerful yeah um, it's moving uh, much yeah. more um much more helpful than than fear that keeps us stuck so so if yeah. we climb up um the ladder of emotions and their frequency um and in order to get out of a state of fear we actually need to feel anger at some point it, it, it's moving it's it's um it's um yeah mobilizing us which is much better than freezing and, and shock and, and, and yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and speaking of freezing, can you talk a little bit about the different trauma responses, fight, flight, freeze, fun, yes. what, whichever ones you teach? Yeah. Um, so in order, I mean, fortunately, now we really understand these trauma responses in much more depth and detail than ever before, which is mainly due to the polyvagal theory, which maybe you have heard and then some of your listeners have heard so far before that polyvagal theory we thought um that there's only two um states we can be in we can either be in sympathetic nervous system mode which is fighting or flighting so it, it's the mobilizer it makes us move either i'm sorry either fighting or i'm so sorry okay it's not uh, one second. Okay, it's not mine. Mine broke yesterday. Anyways, um, okay. So we we're either in the sympathetic nervous system, um, 
which is the mobilizer, as I just said, fighting or flighting, or in the parasympathetic nervous system, which is relaxation, feeling good. So it was believed that we were either in mobilization, fighting, flighting, um, or relaxation. Now we know that's not exactly true. There's a little bit more to it. Um, and to keep it uh, in simple words, the parasympathetic nervous system, which was believed to only be active once we relaxed, actually has two branches from which one is relaxation, I feel good, which is the ventral one, but there's a dorsal one, and that one is responsible for freeze. So I hope I hope it all makes sense. But <laughs> the main difference that we know now is that it's not as simple as like a light switch on and off parasympathetic nervous system or sympathetic nervous system. It's more complex. And um, usually what we try to do when instinctively, when we're in a situation of threat and inescapability, the first thing we want is hiding or flighting, running away from it, defending it. If that is not possible, we enter the freeze, which is one part of the vagus nerve. Um, and that is literally when the trauma gets trapped in the body because we couldn't do our trauma response. We couldn't fight. We couldn't flight. Um, and that's when we enter this, this freeze mode. Mm. Is that where a lot of like extreme procrastination can come in? And, you know, we, we're procrastinating because we're actually really in freeze mode, but then we have that story of like, oh, I'm lazy. I can't make myself do things. And then the guilt comes. Is that it, the procrastination? That's part of that freeze, right? Yes, yes. I don't think it's, um, I mean, it's very um, individual how we respond um, to it. Um, but yes, this freeze is quite common procrastination. And um, and yeah, being very hard on ourselves and um, just the sensation of not being able to move forward with my personal goals, um, my, my private goals, my career goals. That is a very, very common mm. trauma response. Yes. So it's that feeling of just being stuck. Like you yes. just can't get unstuck. Yes. Yes. No and usually, usually that goes hand in hand with a feeling of, Ever since X happened, I feel different. So maybe we don't consciously remember, but if someone is stuck or feels stuck, a very good question is when did you not feel stuck? So what? when did it change? And that's usually around the time when something happened. Um, maybe it was just the last drop, um, but that is a very good indicator that something happened that yeah was the last drop for our nervous system to really stay stuck in this freeze response ever mm. since X. And that can be a one-time event or it can be a period in our life um, that was just very intense in, in one way or another. Okay. So this, I've definitely experienced this and it's really uncomfortable when um, for me, it was like my my response was always this fight or flight. And correct me if I'm wrong, my understanding is that when you are in fight or flight for so long, the body can't, it just can't handle that anymore. So then it drops into this freeze mode, almost like a, a way to like 
try to restore some of the energy and, and the hormonal shifts. And so you drop, you, you're in fight or flight for so long, then you drop into freeze. And then for me, that experience was like scary because I felt immobilized. I felt like I can't get myself to do anything. I can't. And then it was like, the, yeah, the the procrastination and like, oh my gosh, why am I so, why am I being so lazy right now? This doesn't make sense to me. I really want to change this thing, but I can't get myself to change it. And, mm -hmm. and the guilt and the shame. Um, and that was such, that was almost like another traumatic experience for me because I felt like I really lost control of my ability to, to take action and to make decisions and um, coming from a place of where I was, you know, I take action. I, I'm, you know, the hustler, the, I do all these things to, I am like enabled to take action. And being in that place was so scary and uncomfortable for me that it has taken me a long time to come out of, of that, that freeze mode. Yeah, it's really in in some cases the last resort of the body. It's really like like a shutdown and mm -hmm. carrying trauma, being in a fight or flight mode for a long time. It is exhausting, and we might be able to push through for a while. We might be able to compensate and to be the high achiever and the one who, who has it all together and um you know all yes <laughs> and i i've been there myself um but we can only do that for so long it is exhausting it's mm -hmm. constantly draining because being in that fight or flight mode for so long it it basically keeps the trauma in place because it's a trauma response so we're mm -hmm. not really dealing with the trauma we're we're kind of nurturing it by, mm. by by doing that so it we nurture it and it keeps draining and draining and draining and at some point and very often that's just this one event that happens and that is very often just something tiny sometimes not but sometimes sometimes it's just something tiny I had a little fender bender nothing really happened but I I crushed I, I got in shutdown after that and I just couldn't get myself to do anything anymore um, or or a fight with a with a friend or something like the last drop where now the nervous system the body says and that's it no stop freeze you're not doing anything anymore for a while um yes very very common if we've been yeah unconsciously um nurturing the the trauma instead of <laughs> instead of focusing on the healing and releasing the, the difficult thing is when we're in this hustling state it's a kind it's it's we we feel rewarded so mm -hmm. we, we i mean i've telling i've been telling myself what i'm doing works so why why should i change something i'm constantly um achieving one thing after the other and i get good feedback and my boss likes me and i get this promotion and i just got it all under control why why would I try to change something? I am climbing up my career ladder and everyone likes me and everyone relies on me and it's amazing. Um, but at the end of the day, it's a trauma response. And if we're really honest to ourselves, it, it can be hard. We know that it's too much. 
Mm -hmm. it, it is too much. But then there is this, but I get so much positive feedback and now I have all these people that rely on me and they know me like this. How would everyone think if I now tell them I have to slow down, I'm going to take a break, I can't keep this up anymore. No, 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 mm -hmm. I have to keep pushing, I have to keep pushing. And I and I've did that myself. And it's just a matter of time before the body says in one way or the other, stop. That's it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that is literally what what happened um for me this year is it just crashed like no more. My body just yes. was not having it anymore. Um but it's 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 really impressive how the body can maintain that that state of high stress for so long it, it really just blows my mind but then it's it yeah coming to that place where it's it just tells you it doesn't give you a choice you know like you can't ego your way out of it you can't it's just nope you you cannot do this anymore yes yes and when once reaching that point when looking back we can all see the my body tried to tell me i just mm -hmm. didn't listen in one way or the other. Um, maybe I've been constantly sick or having colds or or whatever. Like there, your body tries to show you for a really long time. Um, and if you don't listen, um, I didn't listen. <laughs> I had a crash myself. Um, that's just going to happen. Um, so yeah. whenever that happens, um, it's tough because we don't function anymore. And then there's, again, if we are not if we at that point don't start to introspect and to really choose healing, we're just going to end up in another spiral of shame and self-blame and why can't I keep up and I'm such a big failure and everyone um, has it all together, just not me and all these kind mm -hmm. of lies that we find ourselves in. So yeah. that at least is the, that really is the last um message we should we should really really listen to and be like okay okay no 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 now I really need some help I I I that's not um gonna get me anywhere anymore it's time to look after myself now yes yes yeah. uh <laughs> can you talk about your your journey like what was how did you lead up to your your crash and your just where yeah. your body like no more what yeah. was happening um, so I grew up in, fortunately, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed that the first years of my life, approximately up until six, seven years of age, it was relatively stable um, in the sense that my grandparents lived right next door. And I wasn't aware all my life how important that was. Th they were my support network. And I am grateful beyond words that they were there. So whenever something was not okay and I didn't feel good, I literally just, you know, grabbed some shoes and, and ran over and I spent the day, the night with them. Um, things started to get more complicated around the age of seven. Um, we moved and yeah, there was an unstable household to say the least. Um, addiction in in one parent. Um, I usually don't disclose too much information about that publicly. So it's kind of like the first time publicly that I um, speak a little bit about that. And as we know, addiction is just really, it just creates instability on all levels. At some point, uh, well, not just financially, because working 
becomes very difficult, but emotionally, and there is just no, no, yeah, the sense of safety. There is just no sense of safety because you cannot rely on a person that has an addiction. Um, then if that is combined with aggression, violence, it of course makes it even worse. So that's pretty much how I grew up in stable um, not feeling I have a safe haven somewhere. There's no place where I can, you know, be safe and, and relax. And I found that outside with friends and, and all that, but it was very, and everyone who's listening now who has a similar story, and it is many people, I, I'm aware of that. Um, you have to start living kind of like um, two lives because you need to make sure that no one on the outside knows what's happening at home. And that is your number one priority. Um, it, it, there's so much shame. There's so much guilt. There is a lot of, um, no, just simply the sensation of no one can know what's going on here. So, so you close the door, you're at home and it's just very challenging. You close the door, you go out and all your effort goes to now, this is my normal life here. So no one can know. That's very, very draining. And it starts yeah. you to create a lot of masks and, and play roles and, um, be the happy one and the one that's always funny and easy and um, you know because you need that somewhere in your life if you don't have it at home you just need it somewhere um, so that was that um, and yeah I've been struggling mainly with um, anxiety that was like my number one um, let's call it problem traumatic symptom uh, from a very young age um, I had problems sleeping, um, the anxiety led to struggling to trust people and, um, it got worse and worse. And, um, I've been trying to do therapy a lot and it helped a bit here and there, but not really. Um, yeah. and I just really wanted to find answers. Um, it got very, very bad. My own, my own situation uh, during uh, my first, I studied physiotherapy in Germany um, and the stress, it was really very stressful, very demanding, uh, lots of studying, lots of pressure. Um, plus me being, you know, overachiever, needing to be the best and good grades and not doing like learning and, and showing my teachers how good I am and all this pressure I put on myself and the anxiety just skyrocketed I couldn't sleep at all and everything made me nervous so that was really when I realized I, I need to do something that's not how life is supposed to be lived um, I need to find an answer to that and I was always very psychosomatic like I would get physical things all the time that's I mean I, I'm very psychosomatic um, no one found answers and, and problems with the skin and uh, all, all kinds of weird things so, yeah, I, I really needed to find answers. I really needed to know how can I really heal from that. And then you're just talking about it for the 20th time to a 25th therapist. It, it's just not going to do it. Yes, um, I resonate and, with that. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's pretty much how my journey started. And um, I needed to find the answer. So I took one training after the other and um, tried a lot of modalities and um, realized that A, it has to be holistic. It's not just psychological. We cannot just work physically. It has to be holistic. And I need to work in a way that really, really addresses the trauma on the core level. And that, again, is nervous system and body in combination with 
the mind with the talking therapy. And that's how I ended up um, first being a client and then taking the training myself in, in gentle trauma release because that method, finally, that's where I found all the answers. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I just want to reiterate to everyone, talk therapy, traditional therapy is is not going to do the job. Um, it's just not. And I think people get stuck there. I think my video is frozen, but that's okay. Um, I think people, what happens is people try different therapists, talk therapists, and it doesn't get them very far. And then they get frustrated and then they just quit and they think, well, this doesn't work. And they don't realize there's, there's other techniques out there. There's other methods that actually do work. And so you guys, this is what this is what Janita does. She she does something that is not traditional talk therapy and it, it goes into the body like she's talking about and gets to to the core of, of the trauma. Yeah. So if you're listening and you have you feel like you've tried, you know, therapy and, and different things and nothing is really changing, don't give up. Do not quit keep seeking, um, try different things because there, there is no, first of all, one size fits all. We all have to find what works for us, but, um, you know, finding something that, that Janine is talking about where it does include the nervous system, the body, somatics, um, a really holistic approach so that you can give yourself a chance to, to heal. Yes. Yes. You cannot talk away trauma. It's as simple as that. And everyone who has, um, I mean, it manifests in so many different ways, trauma, right? The list of, of possible symptoms um, as a result of trauma, it, it's so long. But um, the proof, a simple proof that it is a physical response is um, when we have this like startle reaction, like for example, we smell something, we hear something, um, or we have a thought and our body is like a has like a, a little reaction to it or or there's suddenly I when I had my really really bad anxiety the feeling for me was the best way to describe it like there's an elevator inside of me and it's just falling down um, because I saw something I heard something uh, because someone said something or someone behaved in a specific way that was not a threat at all um like what was happening was no threat, but because I was still carrying trauma in my system, that's the association I made and my body reacted before I could even think what's happening. So we really know it's a physical reaction. We need to work with the body, the, the heart that starts racing out of a sudden. It's not the mind that, that makes the association. No, it's the body remembering something. It's stored in our cells. And um, it's not, we're not failing in therapy because talk therapy doesn't work. It doesn't work for anyone long-term to really release trauma. There's a place for talk therapy. I do talk therapy and I'm not saying it's not good. It is good. Mm -hmm. But in order to first heal and release, address trauma, we need to have the, the bodily um, approach. And, and it's not a matter of failing if talk therapy doesn't work. It just simply means we need to include the body in our work. Yeah, yeah. I love the analogy you just gave with the the elevator dropping because right when you said that, I like that's 
that is such a good way to explain it because that is exactly what it feels like. It's like, ugh, like it just hits you down in your stomach or in your chest. It just drops and it's, it's such a strong reaction. And then, then it, then it's like, it goes back, the elevator then goes back up to the mind and the mind's like, what's happening? How do we, what do we do about this? How do we get out of this? How do we, so it's like the elevator drops and then it goes back up and it's like that, that, that cycle. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So there's hope really. If you take one thing away from this episode, from listening to us, there is hope it's possible. Maybe what you tried so far didn't bring the results um, then it was just not the right approach. Um, but it is possible to heal from trauma. And that's the message that we need to spread. And everyone needs to needs to hear and know about that. Yes, I love that. And and what I what just came to mind was how challenging to when you're already in a position where you're wanting to go heal your trauma and you're already experiencing hopelessness, but you get yourself to go to the therapist's office and then it doesn't work. And then yeah. it's like, again, you have another layer of hopelessness on top of that. So if you know you are in that position where you've tried and you feel hopeless again, just acknowledge that that's such a big deal, a big step that you even tried um, and that there is other other methods and other modalities out there so the the method that that you use Janina is the is called gentle trauma releasing can you talk about what that journey might look like for someone if they're listening and they're like hmm I maybe that will work for me what what does that entail yeah so um the sessions um are online so it's it's wonderful that we can absolutely do that online um and it pretty much is based on everything that I've been mentioning throughout this, uh, throughout uh, our conversation. It's based on scientific um, methods that have been proven to work. It's based on the polyvagal theory. We are working with the vagus nerve. Um, and it's this combination of bodily interventions, all focusing on enhancing that sense of safety within the body so that we can access traumatic memories that are still stored and release them. And the beauty is it's it's called gentle trauma release for reason. It's really gentle. There's no re-traumatization. There is no tell me every little detail about what happened and go back to that moment and relive it. And no, we don't have to do that. We need to um, touch on it. Yes. Um, and the body will show the client what memory it wants to release at what time. So we're working very in tune with the body, with the client. That's why every process is slightly different. Um, and then there's these bodily interventions that we do together. Very simple. Some people think, is it like yoga? Do I have to do like yoga moves? No, it's very easy sitting on a chair it has some aspects of emdr so we're gonna move the eyes in a specific way and we move our body in a specific way so that we feel safe and when feeling safe we release that traumatic event that traumatic emotions the symptoms that are still there and it's really incredible what happens once we release so 
it's hard to say how long it lasts because everyone brings their own story, but it's typically, it doesn't last very long compared with like a psychoanalytic three years of talking about it situation. Um, but some people who are new to that, it might of course take, take some time, but it's very gentle. It's very, um, yeah, reassuring. Every mm -hmm. session, of course, it can be intense. I mean, we're talking trauma, right? We're talking emotional pain and despair and hopelessness. All these are very common traumatic symptoms. Um, but every session really ends with a feeling of, of relief, of I feel lighter. I just lost this stone that was sitting on my stomach. And 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 um it's it's wonderful. It it's really, really wonderful. Yes. And you guys, I can confirm that I have had a couple of sessions with Janina and it is exactly what she is describing. It is gentle, it is safe, um, and she is just very much with you throughout the whole experience. So you you don't feel alone. Um, I have personally done so many different healing modalities and even trauma healing modalities. And this one in particular is, is definitely different than all of the others um, that I've experienced. And I uh, am going to be getting trained in this method because I think it is so amazing. So um, for those of you who are listening, if you feel like this might be something for you to look into, or maybe you've tried other things and it hasn't worked, I really encourage you to um, reach out to to Janina and and you know talk to her about her her services because um, I just think that everybody deserves healing and it's it's available. It's just a matter of taking that courageous step and having that hope and knowing that you know you're worthy of of healing and feeling better yeah 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 any questions of course um i'm happy to to explain more or to share some resources that i have in order to do a little you know questionnaire or something um absolutely open to to uh yeah hear from from you if anyone wants to learn more about it yeah um is there anything else janina that you want to say or touch on i just thank you crystal um you're doing such an important work and i'm i'm so glad that i had the chance to speak about that it's so close to my heart to speak about that to do the educational part because i've been in a place of um not thinking anyone has answers for me uh this shame of i don't want to talk about it and and this self-blame of why why do I still get stuck in here and why do I still not get better while and that's the illusion we all have everyone has has it together it's just me and and uh, why is it only me who doesn't understand or who's not capable of living life while all the rest does and on Instagram everyone has this perfect mm -hmm. life and um, we're all in the same boat that's a, that's the truth we're all in the same boat. We all have parts that want to be healed. For some, it's more. For some, it's less. For some, it's bigger. For some, it's smaller. But there is no place for judgment. There is no place for shame. And and the way to break shame is bringing light and talking about it. 
and sharing the message that we're all in the same boat here. Um, mm. So that is just, um, and, and I'm grateful that you invited me and that you, with your work, um, help to to make that possible, um, to really break that barrier and um, spread hope and light. And um, yes. yeah. Thank you so much. I love this conversation. Um, where can people find you? Your your website, your social media? Mm -hmm. I, I do have a website, um, my name, Um, I do have an Instagram, which um, I used to have two, one in English and one in German, but it got a little bit too much. So I'm focusing on the German one, but it doesn't matter. You can, of course, still reach out to me. Mm -hmm. um, and I have a Facebook, but I'm not very active on Facebook. So ideally, the, the best way would be my website, and there's a contact form. And you can just reach me. Um, that's usually the best. Okay, perfect. And I will put um, Janina's website and social media links in the show notes, you guys. So go, you know, give her a follow, check out her website, and do the courageous thing, reach out, ask questions, book your session, um, whatever you feel is best for your healing journey. Um, yeah, so thank you so much for, for being here and sharing this wisdom and knowledge and um, being a safe, a safe space for people to, to find the healing that they're, they're seeking. Yeah, thank you, Crystal, for this wonderful conversation. I loved it. All right, everyone, thank you for tuning in and have a beautiful week. Bye. -bye. Bye.